Sunday service at Ananda Village. I am Tiagi Lisa, and this is Tiagi Peter, and we're very happy to be here with you this morning. So we will read from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda, <clears throat> based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Today's topic is the secret of right action. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. One of the most famous stories in the Gospels is that of Martha and Mary. Jesus, visiting the home of Martha, was teaching while her sister Mary sat at his feet, absorbing his divine love and wisdom. Martha, meanwhile, busied herself with serving her guests and was upset with Mary for not helping her. Lord, she cried, doesn't it matter to you that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Please ask her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. This story is classic, for Martha's complaint is very understandable, and not on the surface of it, spiritually wrong. Jesus may well have told Mary to get up and help her. We don't really know that he didn't, consider it as he always was of others' needs. 
But the teaching here doesn't concern the obvious dilemma of devotees to work for God or to spend all one's time in prayer. It concerns rather the attitude of the mind. Jesus didn't tell Martha, Martha, you're doing too much. He told her rather, you're letting your work affect your inner peace. That was the contrast, not work versus contemplation, but restless preoccupation versus peaceful absorption under all circumstances. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, actions performed under the influence of desire are greatly inferior to those which are guided by wisdom. Happiness eludes people when they act from self-interest. Seek shelter, therefore, in the equanimity of wisdom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. This reading is from Whispers from Eternity. This is Yogananda's book of prayer demands and uh, spiritual poems. This is one of my favorites, O Divine Sculptor. Every sound that I make, let it have the vibration of thy voice. Every thought that I think, let it be saturated with the consciousness of thy presence. Let every feeling that I have glow with thy love. Let every act of my will be impregnated with thy divine vitality. Let every thought, every expression, every ambition be ornamented by thee. O divine sculptor, chisel thou my life according to thy design. I've always appreciated that one because when life is intense and the chips are flying, you know the divine sculptor is very close. <laughs> I was thinking recently that it seems we're living in an era that the Chinese would have described as interesting times. In fact, they used to make it as a curse. May you live in interesting times. And I think this certainly fulfills that. In fact, it sort of got me thinking. Back to the 80s and the time coming forward from that, we entered, uh, there was a, a definite rise in terrorism. Uh, there were problems in the Middle East and um, you're all aware the guy with the mustache was, uh, we thought, hiding uh, weapons of mass destruction. And everyone was afraid of this concern of weapons of mass destruction. And increasingly, it seemed, in our government, there was highly partisan politics and legislation was just grinding to a halt. Nothing could get done. Increasing, it seemed, there was corruption in the halls of political power, particularly in the Senate. And we found scandals invo involving people in the highest offices. 
where there was questions whether they'd be turned out of office because of what they'd done. There were wars questioned as total folly within years after we fought them, sacrificing great treasure and life. Back to the 80s. Interesting. Actually, what I was speaking of was Rome <laughs> in 80 BC and going forward. <laughs> I was speaking as a Roman citizen and what I would have seen. Many historians have actually commented that much of what is happening to us right now bears a lot of resemblance to historical trends that were happening in Rome at the time of the late Republic before it became an empire under a dictator. The reason I mention that is that for us as individuals, these great sweeps of time, these great sweeps of culture are happening around us. And frankly, what is happening with them is not the core of our spiritual search. In fact, it's part of the tableau of what's happening around us. Just like the weather is happening, we may have a sunny day, we may have a rainy day. Well, and we may have a year of more turbulence politically. And some of these things will happen, but our concern has to be with our lives as oriented as devotees in God realization. And in fact, I've often thought about this. How many things happen at a grand cultural world level that are actually going to affect my relationship with God? In fact, often when negative things are happening worldwide, I tend to actually want to meditate more and go deeper spiritually. So I think it's very helpful to remind ourselves that even though there are these broad cultural things and political things happening right now, and it's reasonable to be aware of what's happening and know a little bit of the news, don't spend a lot of time going deep in that. Um, we can look back to ages past, like Republican Rome, where many of these same kinds of things were happening. Um, I remember uh, just reading very recently about uh, right at the end of this period that I was speaking of, the Roman senators got together and decided they were going to get rid of this one political leader they didn't like. You've heard of him, Julius Caesar. And so they actually stabbed him in the Senate, killed him right there. And they thought they'd done such a good thing, they smeared their hands in his blood and ran outside showing all the people, people they were supposed to be governing, the blood of this tyrant they had killed. And guess what? The people weren't real happy about it. Isn't that interesting? Here they thought they'd done this great thing for their country. And in fact, within a few years, they were on the run and being hunted. And many of them were hunted down and eventually killed. So as we look at things happening in a broader landscape around us, we just need to remember, yes, these things are happening. We can be aware of them but not to go too deeply in them pro or con. Um, very few of them are things that we can directly affect, but we can directly affect the things that are happening right in front of us. Uh, you know, it's actually, I remember reading this study very recently that they found that 
when people read news articles, they tend to read things that simply reinforce what they already believe. And I thought, you know, for a devotee, that's exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do. As devotees, we're trying to get rid of our likes and dislikes, to be free from our ego tendencies, where we see everything in the world really more as a dream of God's creation and our freedom is in God. Our freedom is awakening in God. And by spending too much time reading news and all sorts of salacious things happening in the world, we actually get ourselves to believe that this um, world of light and shadow, as Master called it, has a reality that isn't true and that our real truth still lies within. Service with right attitude is the key to right action. Well, whenever we're about to do something, we have to decide, is this thing the right thing to do? And I think for most of us, um, we're really doing things that are generally right in front of us. If you're a mother caring for a toddler, um, you're there paying attention to, oh, it's time for them to eat. Well, let me decide on how we'll prepare the meal for them. If you're a medical practitioner, I work in the medical field for service. Um, I'm thinking about how can I serve my next patient. Um, it's not like I have to make a big decision about what do I do next. That next thing is there right in front of me, waiting for me. And I think for most of us, a large part of our lives are already predestined as what is going to happen moment to moment. So more when it comes into the secret of right action, it's more looking at what will my attitude be as I do this thing. When we listen to the story of Martha and Mary, as Swami was describing it in the reading today, it wasn't that Martha was doing the wrong thing necessarily by being up and helping prepare things for the guests that were in her home rather than being uh, sitting quietly at Jesus' feet. It was that her attitude was wrong. She, I sort of had this uh, idea in my mind that she was probably grumbling, oh, there's Mary again, there's work to do, and at the moment she finds anything she can do, she's off talking to somebody or sitting doing something else, and I can never get any help out of her, and now I have to do all this by myself. Well, you can see why Jesus might have spoken up <laughs> and said something. Often the dilemma for us in service or action is that if our attitude is off, we end up doing things mechanically. We end up doing them with a, a sense of restlessness, with boredom, with distraction. Maybe even we're annoyed by what we're having to do. And none of those things will free us in our search for God. All they do is just extend this ongoing cycle of karma. And I was thinking about this, and it, uh, my mind went to, um, of all things, superconductors. Let me explain what I mean by that. <laughs> Many of you are aware that uh, just a few years ago, there was this uh, large physics experiment uh, done at the 
CERN Collider. It's called the LHC or Large uh, Hadron Collider uh, in CERN, Switzerland. And this, actually, this physics experiment is a giant machine which is 20 miles uh, in perimeter with uh, thousands and thousands of people who work on it. It's, in fact, the most expensive machine that has been built in modern history and the most complicated machine built in modern history. And what they essentially were trying to do was to understand particle physics. And as you know, they recently discovered this uh, evasive particle, the Higgs boson. And that's a whole other discussion. I won't go into the significance, <laughs> significance of that. But what, was, what caught my eye was they were talking about how they created this collider and what a difficult process it was to engineer. Because what they needed to do to do these physics experiments was take um, particle beams. They'd actually create beams of protons that they'd shoot around this 20 mile in diameter ring and accelerate them uh, to nearly the speed of light. So they're just whirling this way and they'd get another group of protons going in the opposite direction and then they'd collide them. Here's the dilemma. Somehow they had to control these beams going in the opposite direction um, so that at the level of the atom they would actually collide head on, okay? Well, to do this, they had to have super powerful magnets. And the only kind of magnets that would let them do this were um, electromagnets, where you run a, um, uh, an electric current through a, a coil, and it creates a magnetic field. Well, to do an experiment on this side, you basically consume all the energy on the planet <laughs> just doing a standard electromagnet through the length of this entire uh, course, and it would get so hot it would melt. So here was the secret, is they created um, superconductors. They knew that if you cooled um, an electrical coil down to the point that it was uh, near absolute zero, like in liquid nitrogen, that the electrons would begin to flow without resistance. So in fact, it took very little electrical energy to get a current, massive current flowing, and it would just continue to flow without stopping. It's not like the electrical current flowing in our toaster, which heats our bread and gets it ready to eat like I had a piece of toast this morning. This would actually be much more current, except it would create no heat. In fact, heat is the enemy here. So. Um, they ended up being able to engineer this. And the thing that really struck me about that was this idea of superconductors as being resistance-free. And I thought, you know, that's exactly what the masters are. They're superconductors. But rather than being superconductors of electrical energy, they're superconductors of spiritual energy, of superconscious energy, that there's these torrents these huge rivers of superconscious energy flowing through the universe, and they are able to conduct them and guide them to whatever needs to happen for the good of the planet because they have no resistance. 
So the reason that we find in our everyday lives that when we go to do things that they often feel so difficult is because we have resistance. And so when you've got resistance, just like an electrical circuit, that creates heat, this sensation of effort, this sensation of discomfort. You know, I've often thought about it, it's very much like watching a tug of war, you know, where you have a big group of uh, people on one side on a rope, big group on the other side on a rope, maybe a little flag on the rope in the middle so you know exactly who's, gonna, who's winning. And if they're evenly matched, they can tug and pull for um, five, ten minutes until one side finally gets the uh, flag to move just enough and they win. And I thought, boy, that is so much like our lives. That we decide we want to do something and it's like we're pulling on one side of the rope, but we've got the other side of the rope. We've got our mental citizens that are saying, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I've done so much already today. Oh, I'm bored of doing this. Or, oh, I don't want to pick up my child's toy one more time today just to have them throw it on the ground again. Or the last thing I want to do is miss taking a shower today because my family needs me. Um, all these kinds of things that we deal with that create resistance so that even though we're pulling very hard in a good direction, we have almost as much pull in the other direction. And so our experience of that is it's uncomfortable and we don't really make much progress with it. So what Swami is saying in this reading is that if we work one-pointedly for God, where we feel that we're here to serve God, to increase our attunement with God, to feel ourselves more serving without an ego, without likes and dislikes, where we're only pulling on one side of the rope and the other team has just finally decided to let go, that suddenly we make tremendous progress and life feels easy. When you look back at things, you go, that was much easier than I thought it would be. I know I had this experience once. Um, this is kind of a little bit of an interesting story, so I'll tell you the whole thing. Um, when we first opened our little medical practice, this was uh, back almost 40 years ago now, um, we opened in a, a little... Uh, a house trailer with a little building next door that actually had a backhoe in it, and we moved the backhoe out and made a clinic. <laughs> and we had it all ready to go, and we were just about to open, and I actually um, had Swami come over and asked him to bless our clinic, and he did. And I really wanted to get his thoughts on whether, as we saw patients, because our plan was to kind of see everybody, not just people from here at Ananda, that I would, um, I couldn't decide whether it would be good to pray with each one of our patients and ask them to pray with us, or maybe we should be suggesting um, many different kinds of alternatives to them, or uh, teach every single person to meditate. Um, I had all these kind of ideas on how we could do this. And so I kind of rolled some of this out to him, and he sort of looked at me for a moment and he said, get x-ray. And my mouth sort of dropped open. And before I could even close my mouth again, he turned and walked out of the building. <laughs> and so I did. 
um, I went and learned how to take x-rays, develop x-rays, and read x-rays. And we had that for almost a decade where we did that. And that was a significant part of our practice. We would shoot films every day. It was actually turned out to be a wonderful thing. And it also kind of got me in tune with what was really trying to happen with our practice. Really tried to listen to what Swami had been trying to guide us on that. Well, then I hit another period where there was a whole new round of regulations on how x-rays needed to be taken and how you had to account for things. It was very, very complicated. And so I'd set aside some time, half a day a week, to work on this little project so that we could, we just moved into a brand new building that was very nice and had gotten some additional new equipment. And so for a half a day a week, I'd be working on trying to resolve all these issues so we could start taking x-rays again. And every day I would go to work on this, I'd find new problems, new things we didn't understand. We didn't have quite the right equipment. Um, it turned out all the laws had been made for people who did nothing but shoot x-rays and little clinics like ours really hadn't been accounted for. And it got to the point that I'd come to Friday morning each week and I would dread it because I knew kind of how awful this morning would be trying to resolve these things. And before I knew, to three, knew uh, three months had gone by and we really hadn't accomplished anything. And finally, I just started praying about it more, and we got everything resolved. But I remember at the end of that um, thinking to myself how off my attitude had been and how my attitude about it and sort of my annoyance with how difficult this process was had made it so much harder than it needed to be. Again, I was really doing the thing of pulling on the rope one direction, and also pulling out the, the rope in the other direction. And so a one-month project stretched out to four months and is memorable in how uncomfortable it was. <laughs> you know, once we open ourselves up to seeing that God is the boatman of our life, he is the captain of our our souls helping us forward with our service and our day-to-day -day life, suddenly we can feel that there's a flow of intuition that happens, a flow of energy that comes into our life that makes it enjoyable. I remember once um, I had uh, just given a class that I thought had gone particularly well. And one of the other ministers came up and said, boy, that was a particularly good class. I'm curious, what did that feel like? And I said, you know, it felt like the masters were singing in my brain. <laughs> and I've remembered that because often when I'm in a difficult situation where I'm dealing with a difficult patient or resolving a, a problem with one of our other employees, those kinds of things that I have to deal with, that trying to remember that feeling of the masters singing in my brain and them being in charge of what I'm doing always gives this sense of relaxation. And often our ability to come up with novel solutions for things comes when we let God be in charge. I know Patricia Hall was telling me uh, a story when she worked at the reception office here at Ananda where visitors would come and um, stop 
on a tour of the community, or someone in the community needed help with something, the phone system, things like that, they would come to the reception office. And uh, a young woman who'd been living here for a while came in and was very upset about something. And Patricia was listening with her rational mind, and after two or three minutes, still really couldn't figure out what she was upset about. She could see she was upset, but couldn't quite understand from what she was saying what she was upset about. And so she asked inwardly, what should I say to this person? I don't even know what they're upset about. I can just see they're upset. And the thought came to her, tell her she's beautiful. And so she said, I think you're a beautiful human being. And right at that moment, this very upset person stopped and looked at her, sobbed for a few moments, and then smiled and said, that's exactly what I needed to hear. <laughs> no one has told me I'm beautiful as a human, and I needed to hear that. And she turned around and walked out the door with a smile. And whatever the problem was, we don't really know. But what she needed as healing was that thing that Patricia was able to say to her. The one thing we should always remember is to have the right attitude and service. The most helpful thing we can do is to meditate regularly. If you're someone who's not yet learned to meditate, learn to meditate and develop a meditative practice. It will help you learn to orient your attitude when the chips are flying and things are difficult and you don't feel very meditative, but you'll have that memory of what it feels like what it feels like to have the master singing in your brain, what it feels like to feel that pervasive joy and lightness that you can feel during meditation. And you can call on that in difficult times, and it's helpful. If you're a meditator and haven't yet taken Kriya, definitely you should learn Kriya Yoga. Kriya Yoga is incredibly powerful for transforming us for letting the guru come in and change us and help us with our likes and dislikes so that going forward we feel inwardly free with whatever we're doing that we're there to serve we're there to help but whatever the outcome we're fine we're happy in who we are and it doesn't matter what's happening externally in the world you know, it's very interesting. Swami often said that when uh, Yogananda was meeting with the monks, the young men at uh, Mount Washington, when uh, Swami was there, is that usually when he talked to them, he would talk to them about attunement, is being in tune with the guru. And if we meditate regularly, if we call on the guru, if we bring our service and our actions into this process of attunement with the guru, that's when God begins to feel very close to us. That's when God can help us and transform us. And every action is as though putting a petal of devotion at the feet of God. So feel for all of us that God is very near. God is here to help us. God is here to change and transform us. And if we get rid of those resistances in ourselves and allow him to draw us along, our lives become wondrous. 
our lives become a thing of beauty, sculpted for the ages by the masters. Strive, reconcile. 